Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. What is up, sports fan? My name is Jake Izuski. You can call me Jake Iggy or Iggy for short. And this is Iggy Sports Talk. I really appreciate everybody tuning in to another episode of Iggy Sports Talk. And today, I have a very special guest for you. His name is Reggie Walker. He is an ex-NFL player and currently a mental, physical, and sexual abuse survivor, as well as a survivor advocate. And he also, most recently, was a TEDx speaker. And before we start this interview, everybody go over, type in TEDx, watch his speech, because it's honestly life-changing, inspirational, and unreal. So how's it going, Reggie? Uh, it's going great. How you doing, Iggy? I'm doing good. It can't can't get any better than this. Woke up today in a good mood, and you know it's all that matters. I woke up today. <laughs> awesome. I feel that. I real feel that. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to get going, man. I'm I've been, I'm glad I'm on the show, and thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. So I just want to start off with this interview. How I like to start off most of my interviews is is talking about sort of the strange year that we've had so far called 2020. And and it's, and it's something where obviously a very unprecedented time for a lot of people, but a lot of people also use this quarantine and the time off to be able to learn more about themselves and, you know, better themselves. So if you are able to take a step back and look at this past year and think of one moment uh, that was the best moment of this past year, what would it be? Easy. I would say when I uh, decided that I wanted to take a chance on myself. Um, I had, when I had first gotten out, I wrote a program and I kind of, it was one of those things where it was like three o'clock in the morning and I was trying to figure stuff out. And I saw a YouTube video and it said like, once you, if you really have an idea, something you need to write it down. And I started writing and then I just wrote a book and I like wrote a program, I ended up writing enough for like three whole programs. And um, for a couple of years, I, I was just like, I really believed in what I wrote and I knew that it would help a lot of people, but I didn't have enough confidence to just really try and get it out. But this year, I just said, screw it, man. Like, I'm doing it. And um, ever since I made that decision, I, everything has just kind of been, like, falling into place. I have, like, so many things on our horizon that um, I'm really looking forward to. And it's it's just been a blessing. And I feel like this year is really coming to, uh, at a really great note. It's, it's ending at a really good time because I'm so pumped for next year. Like, I'm just like, next year is going to be, like, my year. Like, I'm so excited. That's amazing, man. And, and it's something where it's, it's cool that you were able to, you know, take this, take this time to really gain that confidence to, to put that stuff out there. Because I bet when you first wrote it down and, and you talked about how you, how you were nervous about how, you know, potentially some people might perceive it or, or you weren't confident enough to fully put it out. Uh, it's, it's, it's really cool that you were able to sort of break off those anxieties or break off those fears of what potentially other people could think about it and, and just focused on, 
you know, I want to put this out because I know that this can help a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, me and confidence have not been the best of friends in my life. So like really the biggest thing that the biggest thing that's like saved me because I never really had confidence is I have always just been very curious about things and that curiosity will just eat up at me and I will like challenge it. And it's like a muscle that I've built. Um, because for the longest, I never really thought I was anything. Um, but I wanted to prove that I was something. And then when you just hear all these doubters and naysayers, and then even looking at yourself in the mirror after certain situations, you're like, man, I can't even believe I just did that. I can't believe I did that. Like, why won't I just try and do something different? And then like when that next situation popped up, I would just hit it full head on because I one wanted to just like see if I could, but two, I just wanted to see how it felt if I did it because you know, it's gotta feel better than this. Um, and that I just kept doing it over time and over time, just really challenging myself and being objectively curious uh, to situations around me. And it kind of got me to where I am today. That's really cool. And, and, and it's something that you brought up in, in your TEDx speech is, is talking about how, you know, most people think that, that they need a mentor, that, that they need somebody to, you know, steer them in the right direction. And, and something that I really like that you brought up is, is that, the, one of the most prized mentors that you have is, is yourself and you're going to have to live with yourself and be with yourself for the rest of your life, the rest of the time that you're on this earth. And so you talked about how, how you, how you had some struggles with, with like gaining confidence and, and, you know, believing in yourself. So how were you able to fully believe the premise or, or the idea that you're able to be your own mentor? Well, it was something, it wasn't something that I initially believed. It was more something that I found out through experience because, you know, I was constantly looking for that person. You know, it wasn't a thing as far as like my parents were bad or anything like that, or they didn't help me. No, they're great parents. Um, but it was just more like I was looking for this like figure that I could just model everything after so I could like do what they did, you know, and I couldn't find that. But what I really did was I learned how to break things down. Like, okay, I'm, I'm looking for a mentor because I'm trying to find a roadmap to success. Okay, well, no one around me can really help me with that. So then what can I do? Well, I know that this person succeeded and that person succeeded and Oh, they wrote a book. Like, let me read some of that. Oh, they have a video. Let me look at that. Or I like what this person does. Like, let me kind of emulate that. Or I like this quality about someone. Let me try and emulate that. And eventually it got to a point where at first I felt I was looking for somebody out of like desperation, but then an anger started building up because I couldn't have that person. And then eventually I started looking at myself like, I don't even need this person. Like, look at what I've done over time, just being like, just trying to build myself up to conquer these battles. And then you really, and, but, and then you really understand that at the end of the day, like, even if you do have a mentor and you do get that roadmap to success that really helps save you so much time and effort, 
you're still going to be the one that's going to have to do the work. And when it comes to knowing what's best for you and what you're actually good at compared to what they were good at, it's different. So you have to go off what you're good at. And the person who's going to know that best of all is yourself. So you have to literally understand how you work and how you work best and what's good best for you and how, and because when it comes down to things like no matter what anyone else says, because you're going to have to do the work and you're the one that's going to have to figure it out. Like you got to build yourself up most importantly and stop looking for someone to help you out all the time because they can't fight your battles for you. You got to fight. Exactly. And, and the only way, like you said, that you're able to understand how to, how to deal with these situations and conquer these situations is going through the experiences yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And that's, that's why it's like, I understand like a big thing that you hear out with a lot of people is like, go find a mentor, find a mentor, find a mentor. And I, I have mentors. Uh, I still have people that, you know, mentor me in certain things, but at the end of the day, I'm still just like, I I'm doing the work. And if that's good for me, great. And if that could help me good, like I, but I take what I can, I take what helps and then I leave the rest. And that's with anyone because I'm doing it. It's my life at the end of the day. And I, and since I choose to take control, like take the reins of my own life, um, like I'm fully confident doing what I want to do for why I want to do it. Like reasons that are inherently to myself. Like I'm good with that. And I feel like everyone else should, because at the end of the day, like when you're, when you're sitting on your deathbed, you know, you're going to be wishing that you did what you wanted to do instead of what everyone else was telling you to do or everyone was trying to recommend to you. You're going to want to wish that you did what you want to do because it's your life. So I'm cool. I'm cool with where I'm at and how I do things. That's amazing. That's, that's really all that matters. And, and kind of like you said, it, it's your life. And at the end of the day, like when you're on your deathbed, as, as, as long as like you're comfortable with how you lived your life and, and, and you're, um, you know, proud of, of the different things that you did. That's, that's really all that matters. And I, I was curious. So it's really all that matters. sort of like growing up, like, did, did you always sort of have like the passion and, you know, the willingness to want to play football and, and play it at a pro level? Yeah, I felt I was football was just it was like this with me because I was um I was always fascinated by it. Um to me football players just like the guys I saw on TV just looked like like gods or like um like explorers, adventurers, like the, it was just like superheroes to me. Right. And then uh, my dad, when he told me, like, you know, you could do that, too. Um, it was in my mom. She did, too. But when they said it to me, I was like, this is a possibility. Like, what? I can do that, too. And I just loved it. I, it was this one of those sports I always loved, like, like from day one, like chocolate or, you know, something like that. Like, as soon as you touch chocolate the first time, I was hooked. You know, it was, you know, plus, two, I was an angry kid. I was like, um, I, I had a lot of anger built up for a lot of different reasons. And it was one of those places where you could go and be the most violent person and it's encouraged. And then I just go and like, 
burn out all this bad energy and then go about, you know, my regular life, uh, especially given since I was dealing with so much of the trauma I, and I was so young, I didn't, I didn't have the skills to verbalize it at that time. So having football in a way like really saved my ass, um, which, you know, I'll always be thankful for it, but yeah, it was, it, it, it was like a match made in heaven. I feel like <laughs> during the time. That's amazing. And it's awesome that you were able to obviously play as professionally as you were able to and, and, and obviously like live, live your dream. But I, I was curious, like, like going to Kansas State, you know, you know, you, you, this was a quote by you from your uh, TEDx uh, speech is, is that it's the best conference in college football. And so, and so with, with that in mind, going to Kansas State, did, did you have a lot of pressure did, or, or were you motivated to just go there and, you know, play your best and, and see how it went? I was, oh, I was so extremely motivated coming into college. Like I had, I, I am, even though the, the people who really know me and been around me a lot, like they'll say like, I'm a goofy guy. Like I play around a lot. I don't seem like I'm too serious, but I am very strategic way more strategic than people think. Um, I am an overanalyzer. And um, I've, I've understood that when you, if you want something to, to get accomplished, like I understood at a very young age that I'm going to have to be the one to do it. And if I'm going to do it, I need to have a plan. Um, and going into college, my goal was I'm going to go into college. I'm going to play as a true freshman. I'm going to play for three years. I'm going to leave early. I'm going to be the first, second, or third round draft pick. Like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that I, you know, accomplish all these goals. So coming into college, oh, I was super motivated. Um, ended up, I, out of all those goals, I did play as a true freshman, did not become a first-round draft pick, and I didn't uh, do some of the things that I did want to do in college. But I'm glad how everything worked out um, because – uh, it really made me and the things like I didn't get what I wanted, but I got what I needed in a sense. Right. And and, and I feel like, I, I think that's cool that you explained it like that because I, I feel like at least for myself, uh, like we talked about earlier, I I'm, I'm a senior in college. So I, I, I feel like college is, is sort of the time where you're able to fully grow. You're, you're, you, you get, you get out of your comfortable space, you get out of home, you, your parents aren't pampering you like, and, and you have to do things on your own and, and you kind of have to think by yourself. Uh, and I've had, I've had, a, I've had some issues, uh, you know, with, with anxiety and with confidence issues up at college, uh, just, um, with people around me and, and, you know, not really being as, uh, mentally strong as, as, as I would have liked, but, it's something where I, I was curious for you having that sort of motivation and that sort of, you know, walking around campus as, as a football player, did, did, did you sort of feel that pressure to live up to people's expectations? Oh yeah. And I felt as if I constantly let them down. Um, <laughs> because uh, the, the thing that I realized is People are going to put expectations on you. Can't, can't get away from it. Um, but at the end of the day, their expectations for yourself should not matter. I mean, you're, the expectations that they have on you shouldn't matter. Your expectations for yourself should be the only thing that you're, that you're zoned in on. Um, because 
you really cannot please people. You just can't. You can't fully please people. They have to please themselves. Um, just like, you know, when it comes to being happy, like I can't make my wife happy. I can't make my kids happy. I can do things that can give them maybe short term happiness. But as far as like, if they want to be happy, they're going to have to dig within themselves and find that out for themselves. Like what makes them happy. And like, when it came to my college situation, nothing was just ever good enough. Um, Plus, two, when you're dealing with the political slash business side of uh, sports that you get um, introduced to after high school, like, there's – you can't even fully listen to what your coach is telling you because you're like – you have to be really good at being able to read between the lines because you're like, is he saying this to me because he's generally want to help me or he's saying this because – he wants the guy behind me to actually play and him and the linebacker coach or D coordinator are having some kind of tiff about something. And like, what, why is he even saying this in the first place? Because there's now you're getting introduced to the world of agendas. Everyone has a different agenda, everyone. So when it comes down to things, like all you can really do is like, I'm going to go in there and do everything to the best of my ability. And I'm going to try to make these expectations, but like what I learned is I always made my expectations way higher than anyone else's yep. for myself. Way higher. Like so all, astronomically all high that I knew I would never get it. Yeah. Like for some reason because yeah, because it was like one of those things because my expectations were so much higher than anyone else's. Mm -hmm. Like no matter what they said about these lower expectations to me, like I was always my like big at my worst critic in a way, but it drew it drove me because I was just like, yeah, like when I'm getting like yelled at or screamed at for these expectations, I was just like, yeah, but I haven't accomplished these things in my mind. So I'm like that that sucks that you're yelling or whatever, or you might have benched me or whatever, but still I'm still I'm still continuously to grow. And I think that was just kind of a part of just like a piece of like how I had like you know, my growth mindset, you could say. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's, it's sort of interesting you hear, hearing you talk about sort of like the politics and the business of, of college sports. Uh, I actually talked to somebody last week and, and, she, and she, she was talking about how, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of times college athletics sort of pick the specific classes for you, sort of set everything up so, so it's very easy and, and, and don't really – fully care about what your passion is and, and really care about like what you actually want to learn in college. Did, did, did you deal with that a, a little bit in college? And I, I'm curious, uh, what, what, did you, what did you study um, when you were at Kansas state? Um, okay. So I, I, so I studied history and then I was a history major for three years and then I changed it to social work because, and then uh, I didn't finish while I was there because I knew I knew since day one there's a program called Second Wind where I could come back and graduate whenever and that put you back on scholarship. So and I knew at the time like I didn't want to finish it in social work. I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to finish in to be real. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I can't sit there and say that I had a lot of classes like forced on me. Um, 
you know, with me being in a military family and my family also put a huge emphasis on education, like when it came to school, school's never been an issue for me. Like I did two hours of study hall every night since I was like six or seven. Wow. You know, we were like, and if you didn't have any homework, like you read a book, like you're, but you're two hours every single night. And, um, I, and then I was always in like gifted and like advanced classes or so school was just never a problem. The problem was effort because I just wanted to play football. And I, I was just like, well, if I want to play football in college, like I got to go to college, but I had no desire to go to class. Like I'm just being 100, 100 about this. Like I've never been a fan of school ever. I, I always felt like, and this is terrible, and I'm not, you know, saying this is to, hey, kids, like, don't go to school. I'm just telling you, just me, I felt as if it was a waste of time. I've always felt like it was a waste of time. Um, given, like, this is America, and you can do so many other things that, you know, um, without school. And plus, the biggest thing I wanted to do, like, like I don't need my degree for this you know, which was football. Um, you know, I'm still, I'm in grad school now, shocker. <laughs> but um, it's just never been, it was, it's always been an effort thing for me in school. Always. I mean, I feel like now in 2020, uh, a, lot, a lot more people are bringing it up about how, you know, if, if you don't get always, if, if you aren't a gifted student to their standards, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be successful in life. That doesn't mean that you're not passionate about something different and it's 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 always very interesting to sort of stories about teachers saying oh you got a d in this and you're not putting the effort in this so you're gonna get nowhere in life and then 10 years later those people are an entrepreneur with a multi-million dollar company saying well look at me now and and, and, and this is what i'm able to do just just because you didn't see it in me just because i didn't get an a on the specific multiple choice that you brought up that doesn't mean that I don't have the passion and the knowledge to be able to be successful in life. Oh yeah. And then with me being like an overanalyzing person, like just an overanalyzer and I've always been a reader too, man, most of you have so many people who are just hugely successful that just were horrible at school. Mm-hmm. Just so many, there's so many in our society that were just terrible at school for one reason or another. So when you're in school and they're telling you, you need to be in school and work hard and get good grades and then you'll have a good career. Like, nah, not necessarily. Like in my mind, I've always thought that like, well, not necessarily. Like there's that person, that person, that person, that person. There's countless examples, you know, and this is, this is America. Like I'm one of those people that like, yeah, it's hella racist out here in places. And there's, idiots everywhere and people are just crazy but at the same time this is still the place where you work hard enough and you get a good enough idea and you you know put forth the steps to make it happen you can make anything you want happen for the most part it's going to take time and it's going to suck but you know you can do you can do so much more so much in this country so like I've never, yeah, so I've never, like, lost track of that. Like, even now in retirement, trying to get my own program and stuff up and going, I'm like, you know, there's a will, there's a way. It's going to suck, but I can figure it out. This is going to take time.
Yeah. Exactly. And, and yeah. so, since, since you're since you've explained uh, that you're an overanalyzer, I was I was curious. So when when you were unfortunately an undrafted free agent, and you've talked about how you've had struggles with with like feeling good enough, you know, with your confidence. When that happened, sort of, what mindset were you, were you in? Like like. Were you motivated to work as hard as you could to get to the NFL or did you feel sort of defeated? Oh, being undrafted? When I got undrafted, it felt – yeah, I, I felt like I was a first-round pick. Like, I got picked up by an NFL team. Like, it wasn't – I didn't feel defeated at all. Um, actually, from being – from my college situation, a big reason why I say, like, things happen how they, they should have happened – was coming from high school to college, I had a huge ego, huge, huge ego. Oh, my God, it was gross. Um, just, like, thought, you know, my shit didn't stink. Like, I was horrible. Um, and then I got put in a situation where I got benched for being basically a psycho during a game. I was just, I deserved to be benched, deserved it. And it crushed my ego, just crushed it, um, to the point where I was just, like, I had a, like, that's where I feel like a lot of this self doubt kind of really started because something that I was so confident in got shattered right in front of my face. And then now I had to like recalibrate my mm-hmm. entire way of doing everything. And um, thank God that did happen um, because I, I just needed that to happen. Um, but going in a situation in college and being in a situation for three years where you know, my coaches, my coach, really one guy in particular, was doing, he wanted, he, he, she tried his hardest every single day to get me up out of there. He tried to start a team against me. He just, he, like, it was just hell on earth for three years for me. Um, he tried everything possible to just break me, not as a football player, but more as like a human being. Like, he did not want me there. Um, and he constantly, the constant bombardment of just, you're this, you're that, you're not this, you're not shit, you know. And then I would go home and, like, say that same shit to myself in the mirror. Um, I was in a very bad place mentally uh, in college. But the thing that it built, though, was this curiosity. I was like, so I'm constantly hearing this crap. Like, I feel awful every day, you know. But what if I overcome this? Like, what if I can prove them that they're wrong? Because I feel deep down that I'm not this. Like, you know what? I'm just going to prove them wrong. I'm going to prove everybody wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, and then it just, I started this, really started thinking of all the situations where this had popped up. And then this new found energy, like, erupted in me. And all I wanted to do was just prove everyone wrong. And then to show myself that I could do it. Um, I challenged it. And I still didn't have confidence that I could do it. But I was just like, well, we're going to figure this shit out. And I'm going to find out if I could do it. And I was more like an explorer or, or, or an adventurer in a sense. Like, I'm looking for, you know, Atlantis. But I don't know if I'm going to find it. But I'm going to look. And I'm going to die trying. And that's where my mentality was. Like, I'm going to do it or die trying. And I sold out to do it. Um, so when I got undrafted, I was like, cool. And then even when I came into Arizona, you know, they were looking at me still like, who's this guy? Like, he ain't going to do anything. And then I came into camp knocking heads off. 
And they're like, oh, my gosh. Like, by the end of camp, everybody knew who I was. And then um, by the end of that first year, everybody on that team respected me. And then by the end of my, I would say my third year, I accomplished everything that I wanted to. Uh, you know, I worked my way to the team captain. I couldn't somehow be a team captain on my college team, but I somehow could make be one on an NFL team. <laughs> so I, I thought that was a little funny, but to me at least. But um, I did everything I wanted to do. Um, and I, I was glad that that situation happened because I needed to find that new that, that energy that really took me through my NFL career and helped me even be successful to this day without confidence. Right. That, that's amazing. And, and, I, and I bet uh, through all those times that, uh, you, you know, you were doubting yourself or you needed that motivation, you brought yourself back to that situation at Kansas State and remembered sort of like the feeling that you had when that coach was saying that. And it would just rejuvenate your motivation, just make you think, watch me. Get, get, get ready. I'm, I'm coming. And, and so like when, when you got into the NFL, it, it was crazy to, 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 to just like re research your, your whole story because uh, like, like obviously like I saw that, that you got signed by the Cardinals in 2009 and then to see, to see that during that same year uh, you, you were able to go to the Super Bowl with them. Oh no! I actually got there uh, the year yeah. right after, oh, and right then um, I, I actually got there the year right after. But um, no, but it was a uh, no. It was still a crazy experience because you know I was there with uh, like Kurt Warner was the quarterback and Carlos Dansby was starting linebacker, and then you know you had Larry Fitzgerald who just had that like hum enormous playoffs. You know, and then Anquan Bolden, who was like one of my all-time favorite players ever, um, and then there's countless other people. And going from a situation that I felt was just so bad, and then being in a locker room with these guys, and then being in that same locker room, and these guys like respect you and value you. You know, it it just made everything just like worth it. And and you know. I still wouldn't say I was the most confident person, but at the same time, just like it, it makes you feel really good that, you know, you know that everything that you got up to this point, you earned it. Like you fully earned it. You didn't get anything handed to you. Right. Well, you know, so, so that was, it was still a great experience. So, so spinning off of that question uh, with, with, with how they lost in 2009, did you, did you feel that motivation? Did you feel that hunger? In, in training camp and in, in preseason to get back to, to, to that, uh, to get back to that stage. Did you, did you feel that in Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald and all throughout the team? Oh, hundred um, percent. It was, it was, uh, you knew that I think everyone in that locker room knew that we have something here and our clock's ticking, you know, Kurt's getting older. We don't know how many more years he's going to play. Um, we don't know, you know, how we can afford everybody. So it's really now or never. And we had some really great veteran leadership on the team. Um, and we did make a run that year. And, uh, you know, it just – it didn't work out one way or another. But um, – because I think that was the year that the Saints ended up winning it. Um 
or they got there. I can't remember. I think they got there. I can't remember what it was, but they ended up beating us. Um, and, but, you know, it was, it was crazy being a part of that environment and being with all those vets. And, you know, it, it sucked when we ended up losing. Um, but you could – but just that being that, my, my first year in the NFL, you know, it was a huge blessing. Huge blessing, I feel like. Absolutely. And, and, and you brought up the two names, uh, Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald, to like have those people around you, those experienced and, and motivated people that, you know, are, are seasoned in the NFL and, and understand how it works. Sort of what was your experiences playing with both of those guys? It is it's, it's crazy, you know, when you think in your mind, you know, what working hard looks like and what professionalism looks like. And you go into a situation with those ideas. And then when I went into that locker room, all of my perceptions of those ideas just were shattered because Larry Fitzgerald, one of the hardest working people I've ever seen, um, ever. You know, we're in Arizona and it's 110 degrees plus every single day. And he practices every practice with like a sweatsuit on and he's running every route full speed. He's doing everything full tilt. And then you see a guy like Kurt Warner and you're just like, like <laughs> he's walking up to the huddle and you like, you could tell he kind of has like a bad hip. He has like a little limp and he's looking super old. He has like gray hair. Here's like, what the hell is he like still doing here? You know? And then the ball snapped, and it's, yeah, <laughs> you know, and you're just like, holy crap. Um, you, you know, just some of the things that I've seen on a football field in games were amazing, but because I got to experience practice with those guys, it, you couldn't even believe, like, some of the stuff I've seen them do in practice. They were just, just, like, unbelievable. You couldn't even believe someone could do this on a football field. You know, and but you see it and you strive to be that. Right. So it, it definitely motivated me a lot. That's cool. They set a good standard. It's, it's crazy to see that Larry's still playing, too. He's, he's still doing it. Uh, oh, not a shock to me. He's a, he, not a shock to me. He could probably play. He'd probably be done. I think – didn't he say he, this was his last year or something like that? Or I don't know. I can't remember. But uh, either way – He's, he's the type of guy that could play for a long time. He could probably play 50 years or something and still be out there running good routes because he takes care of himself. He's a professional uh, through and through. Um, and plus, he, he knows how to protect himself too, which is the smarter – the other thing about it. He's really good about protecting himself. Yeah, because there's not a lot of times now that I'm thinking about that, that we've seen Larry Fitzgerald on the injured list. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. He doesn't. He doesn't take a lot of hits, but at the same time, he's huge too. Dude's like, dude's like uh, six three, six four, two thirty. Like, and he's a very well built two thirty. You know, and he takes care of himself. That dude's always in the weight room. He works hard. You know, he takes care of himself. Right. I, I mean, it definitely shows. And and I was curious. So after after you played with, with the Cardinals, you went over to the Chargers, and and. I was curious. Did you sort of uh, feel a difference in in sort of how and sort of how like the coaching? Stuff? Well, you you had the same coaches, but like sort of how the culture was. Was there was there a different culture in any way? 
Yeah, in ways. Um, things were a little different. Um, I wouldn't say it was, it was like night and day difference um, because, yeah, I did have a lot of the same coaches that were still there. Um, I would say the culture of the city was probably the biggest difference because San Diego's a way more laid back place. You know, you're in Cali by the beach. Everyone has these real chill, like, dude, we're just hanging out. Let's get a burrito vibes. Like, and, uh, Arizona, I felt like, um, Arizona, you know, the land of the 30,000 air where you have a bunch of people who are really into their, uh, status and, you know, how they look towards other people. So, you know, when you go to San Diego where everyone's just chilling out and it's just a whole different vibe, like I appreciated it a little bit more, but I loved Arizona too for what it was, but you know, it was definitely just a little bit more relaxed than San Diego. That's in, that's interesting. They said I, I love that. You got it, dude. <laughs> that that whole, <laughs> I, I was curious. So get a garlic shrimp burrito. Exactly. You you brought up uh you brought up some hard workers that, that you've played with and and one guy just just from the outside me me watching him uh, since I've been growing up, Philip Rivers. He seems like a guy that puts his puts his all in, into everything that he does. And I was I was curious. So what what was really your experience, you know, playing with Phillip Rivers during your time with the car, uh, with the Chargers? Oh, it's phenomenal. Like, uh, Phillip Rivers is one of my all-time favorite, favorite teammates. Um, as a defensive guy, he's the type of quarterback you want to play for. He's tough as, tough as shit. Tough, competitive, so intelligent it's insane uh like you couldn't even believe like some of the stuff that this guy would just know like the hours he puts in like this guy was literally like i i feel like i tell the story a lot but it's like i love it so we're sitting in a game we're sitting in a game and i think he tried to run and the guy runs like a five nine forty like this guy is slow uh, not an athlete, <laughs> but um, he runs and he ends up sliding and then a DB comes up to him. And he's talking mess to him and Phil's like, okay, okay. So he goes up to the line and he's just like, hey, 22, I'm throwing right at you. I'm throwing right at you. And then this dude, I think it had to be like seven to ten straight throws to that guy. And like he just ate this guy alive. And you're just on the sideline like, Wow! Like get him, Phil! Get him, Phil! Like get his ass, Phil! And you know, um, and he didn't back down from anybody. He he didn't back down from anybody. He wasn't scared of nobody. And um, before I went there, I you you see the stuff on TV, and it looks like he's like whining or he's complaining all the time. No, he's not. This guy's just ultra competitive. He's just one of the most competitive people you're going to ever meet, you know, if, if it's cards, if it's chess, if it's anything, like he's going to compete and he's going to be the same guy. Like he wants to win and he's going to do whatever possible to win. Like you, you, you got to love a guy like that. Absolutely. Especially when he's on your team, it kind of like, kind of like you said, motivates you even on the sidelines. And and obviously it's, it's very unfortunate oh, yeah. just, just watching him throughout his career that, he hasn't been able to get up to that level. And unfortunately, my boys, the New England Patriots, have, have kind of stopped him from getting up to that place and, and, and getting to the Super Bowl. 
um, hopefully, hopefully yeah. the course this year, he can get close again and, and potentially make something happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I'm rooting for him. I'm definitely rooting for him. And so it's it's crazy the the amount of talent that you have played with, played against, uh, in in just in just terms of of quarterbacks. You know, people that I've grown up watching and grown up sort of you know idolizing, like Kurt Warner, like you brought up, like we just talked about on Philip Rivers. But one guy that you played against, especially in 2013, three separate times, and then you also played for him uh, at the end of your career is Peyton Manning. So what what would what was your experience like? You know you know around that environment or even just playing against him because he's one of the smartest quarterbacks at least that I've seen play the game and it, it's, it's got to be very difficult to, to defend a guy like that he's one of the most frustrating people to play against because you're not going to really hit him you're not going to get a good hit on him um he gets the ball off so quick he's so smart you know, and when we played them, when we played him in 2013, um, it was after he had the next surgery. So he didn't have the strongest arm at the time, but he was so good at ball placement and timing that it was just, it was just so frustrating because he was just good at placing a ball where only his receiver could get it. Um, you know, they had a lot of talent too, which, you know, did not help us because, you know, they had Demarius and they had, they had tons of receivers and their defense was pretty good too. But um, he was such a frustrating guy to play against. I, I still remember trying to rush the passer. And I, I think uh, I forgot who the tackle was, but I was like, I, I was like this close to him and I got my hand on his shoulder and he like, I was coming from his blind side, but he just felt me. Like, I could see him step. Like, he just felt me. And I remember asking him after the play, like, how did you know I was there? And he was just like, I just felt you, man. He was like, this ain't my first rodeo, but this ain't my first rodeo, bud. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, I'm still coming, though. <laughs> yeah. He's a cool dude, too. That's why I was glad that I got to see him camp in uh, Denver. Uh, on, on Instagram yesterday and, and, he, and it was when he was with the Colts and, and he went up to the Gatorade kids and, he, and he's like, he's like, what'd you guys put in this? He's, he's like, you guys, he's, he's like, you guys are doing a great job. He's, he's like, you know, the rest of the guys that give me the Gatorade, you know, it's okay, but you guys put a little bit of something in there and you can see the kids like lighting up, like, and I <laughs> my butt off. I'm like, this guy's a character. Yeah, oh yeah, he's a character. He's such a good dude, man. Such a good dude, a real person. Um, because usually when you deal with some of these guys who are like um, franchise players, I feel like they can be like really robotic and not real personable because they have, you know, some duties involving the job that, you know, I get why you're the way that you are, it, you know, when it comes down to that. But that dude was real, honest you know, smart, just a funny dude. So funny. He's like, he's, that's why like him doing those commercials and stuff like that, like in him being on Saturday Night Live, like he could pull it off because he's just a funny guy. Um, and just a great person to be around. Like can't say enough good things about him. The nationwide commercials always make me laugh. And <laughs> I'm trying to think of the same. Oh yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, and he's not acting. He's just being yeah. himself. 
Like, he, that's, that's, he's just being himself. <laughs> that's awesome. And I, yeah. I, I, was just curious, I was just curious. So, uh, you know, during your time in the NFL, um, when did you sort of come to the conclusion uh, that, that you sort of wanted to move on from your playing time in the yeah. NFL and start focusing on what, what you're doing right now? Which, which is Reggie Walker coaching, which is being an advocate for mental, physical, and sexual um, health survivors. You know, when did you really sort of change your mindset and really think, you know, it's good for a new, it's a good time for a new chapter? Oh man, I can tell you the day. Um, they, they tell you, they tell you that when you come in, they tell you when you come into the NFL that you're going to come to a point where you know you're done. And I was like, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Um, but year six, when I was in San Diego, I remember walking. It was after practice, and I was going to walk over to our little tent where we had our food. And, you know, I just started, like, uh, meditating. And, you know, some just told me, you know, I'm just going to sit down outside the way room. It's a nice day. I'm just going to meditate for a second. Meditated for about, I don't know, 30 minutes. And this thought popped up, you know, and the thought was, you know, why am I doing this? You know, because I've literally done everything that I wanted to do with this. I, you know, I wanted to be a starter. I wanted to play. I wanted to play in big games and make big plays. Like, you know, I wanted to be able to say that I signed a million dollar contract and, you know, I did everything that I said, I, you know, wanted to do. So I was like, it really just kind of hit me and I wanted to prove to all these people that I wasn't this guy, which was probably the bigger thing out of all of that. But then I was sitting there like, I've already done all this. What's the point? Right. And I ate my meal, went home, had a nice drive home, hung out with family, went to bed, woke up and it was gone. Like all the motivation, all of the want to to like play like i woke up a completely different person it literally was just like like i took the whole thing off like i took the whole persona off and i and it was crazy because we still had like four games left yeah, like I should, I should have kept that on <laughs> but uh, like we still had four games left but then I was just really trying to get through the year. Um, I was I was so banged up. I was hurt. Um, I had no desire to play anymore. Um, but it was really that day. But then trying to, like, to get me to, like, doing Reggie Walker coaching, um, it was a process. Really going through that whole time, never really having a mentor. That's the one I was looking for. And going through all these these issues with, like, no one. And then – the big thing that you see the whole time ever since college and well, high school really is you just see so many people like attempting to get to the point where you're at and like, or just people who are just trying to, who grew up with a dream. Like I'm one of the few people who can say that I had a dream when I was a kid, like, Oh, I wanted to be an astronaut and I became an astronaut. Like I did what I wanted to do. I'm one of the very few people that can actually say that. And you see so many people fail along the way. And to me, the, like the whole secret to it was obvious. 
it was very obvious, like, especially being Captain Hindsight about the situation, like, but, or even during the situation, you're just seeing so many people just fail and fail and fail around you and that it has an effect on you after a while to seeing so much failure. So when I got done, there was really, it was really one thing I wanted to do besides, you know, just lay on a couch and play video games all day. The only thing I really uh, wanted to do was I wanted to make sure that I helped more people succeed in, in really like grabbing their dream and taking a hold of it and not just grabbing it, but maintaining it once they get there. And I felt to me as if it's, 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 it's a hard fight, but it's very attainable for anybody. And I wanted to show people how to do that. Um, and it was just an obvious thing for me, a very obvious thing. I, you know, just like we talked about before the call, like about being about being going where the passion's at. Mm-hmm. That I wasn't passionate about anything else. That was all the energy is in one area. So I just went with it. That's amazing, and it's something where I I bet when when you figured that out, I bet there was especially with your overanalyzing mind, you you probably had some self doubt some fear about what the next chapter was. How was I going to make this happen? How, how, are, are people going to believe in me? Are, are people going to think I'm a joke? Are people going to take me seriously? Reggie Walker coaching, I'm, I'm a football player. How can I be a coach? And, and so how, how did you really like block out that self-doubt? Um, I just challenged it. And the thing is, at that point, I had already gone through, you know, growing up in the hood and moving around a lot and, you know, going through the, the, a really shitty college situation and then being on drafted guy. And in, in a sense, like, like getting to your goals is like how I explain to people is like you're building a ladder to heaven with whatever materials are around you. And then you have to be resourceful to kind of find other materials, but you're like building it with what you got. And I understood that when you're building this ladder, you know, you got to use with what, what you have. But one of the biggest things about it is maintaining your perspective, like a a healthy perspective on it um, while you're doing it, which is one of the most important parts because you're sometimes you're going to take some shit over here and you're going to take some, crap over here and then but the same time if you're continuously moving forward and you're maintaining yourself and you're keep going that step closer eventually you're going to get there and i knew that when it came down to it it, like this isn't rocket science so even though i still didn't i still hadn't fully been confident that i was going to get there i've always been like a challenger of my own belief system, um, others' beliefs in myself of just life itself. Like, because I know that at the end of the day, like on my deathbed, I want to, like, to put it bluntly, like, I don't want to die a coward. I don't want to die a coward of, of, like, at the end all, like, at the end of the day, I can't die a coward. So when it came down to really jumping out and doing these things, hell yeah, I was scared, scared, uh, out of my mind, scared. As far as like self doubt, like oh yeah, it's just screaming to me, like you can't do this, you can't do this, you don't have this, you don't have that. Yeah. Um, 
But I was just like, well, that deathbed's coming. Like, what are you going to pick? You know, and I'll be damned. Like, you're going to, you, like, you can sit there and say I'm this or that, but I will not be a coward. Ever. Like, pfft, never. So that's really, that was kind of driving me was just like, well, all right, I feel like I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this or not. So I put my best face on and I would just do it over and over and over again. Because I knew that if you challenge that thought, it gets easier each time because I've already done this. I've already, I already know the process. I know myself. And if you keep challenging it over and over again, you get better. And then that doubt and then all those thoughts and negativity around you, it starts dissipating. And then eventually now, oh, now you've got this thing called confidence because you have the experience, you know, and you know the situation and, oh, shocker, you know, <laughs> like, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, like not being a coward, looking at myself in it, like being able to not look myself in the mirror and say that I was a coward, like that was probably the biggest thing that was driving me. It's, and plus, I knew that there was a lot of people that needed my help. So I didn't want to let them down, too. Yeah, that must have been a huge motivation. And, and I, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to leave the listeners with, with, with this because it's, it's something where, like, I, I struggle with this a lot myself. And, and this is where a lot of my anxiety stems from. Is, and, and you talked about it a lot in, in, your, in your TEDx uh, speeches, is, you know, not feeling good enough. And, and that, that's, that's, the, that's the worst feeling. It's, it's the hardest thing to get over. And, and especially like we've talked about, like all throughout this conversation is, is you know, your mind is, is a very powerful place and, and it's very difficult for you to get out of your mind. And so for, for myself and also everybody listening, do you, do you have any specific tips or, or, or any, anything that has worked for you on how to feel that feeling of feeling good enough? Good enough? Well, I would say that, like, to me, I have, like, I would say first and foremost, just being objectively curious about things. And I know I say that a lot and I put it out there, but like really being able to just get out of your feelings and your emotions and when you're viewing situations, um, just looking at it and seeing it for whatever it is it being extremely curious about every detail about what it is. And once you can just look at things like that, really trying to understand like how you are in relation to what it is and all your, your strengths and weaknesses, all of them, like being completely honest with yourself, like, man, um, I don't think I can do, I don't think I can do this. Okay. Well, what is this first and foremost? Like what is it in, in its entirety? So that's the first thing. Then you look at it and you're like, okay, when it comes to accomplishing this, what skills do I have to accomplish this? Okay. So you figure that out. Okay. So what weaknesses that I have that are going to help that are going to hurt me from accomplishing, you know, that goal. Okay. So you figure that out. Okay, so then you're like the third thing. What so so what do I need to probably gain from the situation that could help me out? Okay, boom. So you just put it all out there, 
And then you kind of just look at it and analyze it. Okay, this is what it is. This is what it is. And But the hardest part, I feel like, when it comes down to just putting it all out there on paper and really just looking at what it is, is when it comes to, like, me, like, I was not a confident person. So when it came to, like, my weaknesses, I could just line them up. I'm trash at this, blah, 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 blah. Like, 100 things I'm trash at. But when you start looking at your strengths and then you're like, well, I am this, I am this, I am this. And then you start building the list out. Like it helps you to be more confident because you realize like, dude, I, I actually have weapons in this fight. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not completely screwed now that I think about it. And like just doing this type of exercise, it really helped me to just put things in its proper perspective. Yeah, it's hard, but I do have this. Yeah, this might be working against me, but hey, I can go gain this and this and this from this, from this person or this situation or this book or this video or whatever. Like, because the thing that you really need to get out of is when you're going through this self-doubt is the lies. Because you're telling yourself so many lies about it. I'm not this because of this. I'm not this because of this. But uh, when you really go through that exercise, putting it all on paper, you really realize like, man, I was really just lying to myself about most of these things. This isn't as difficult as I think, or I've been putting it out there as being. Like, I'm really just, I'm telling myself lies because I don't have confidence or because I'm afraid, which is probably one of the biggest things. Or you're afraid that of like success. You know, or what, the, whatever the fear is based around, you know, but it's never usually completely what you think it is until you just, you're really good at just putting it out there. So I got really good at doing that, really good at doing that over time. Um, it was something I worked on and I just built it up over time. So now when I look at situations, I could just bloop, 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 put it all out there quick. Um, but that, that really saved me. Um, that really saved me. Just get, getting out of my own head, right. you know, basically, and having that exercise to get out of my own head. That's really interesting how you described it because I, I, I can completely relate. I, I completely understand what, what you're saying because, I mean, especially with, with anxiety, um, it doesn't matter if, if, if you're always a positive person, if most of the time you think positively, your mind will find a way to switch that and, and make you see things in a certain light um, that, that in, in your anxiety brings that out of you, essentially. It, it does. It does. But, you know, how I look at things is, um, like the lens I look through things is, um, I was just talking to my buddy about this, is like, you know how... Uh, you know, like the yin and yang, right? So how it's like, you got the white part, you got the black part, and then the black part, there's a little bit of white, and then the white part, there's a little bit of black. Like, to me, that's like the contact lens I look through things. Um, because, again, through experience and, you know, being an overanalyzer, um, I can look back at situations. Like, I always think it's funny how you can look at something you've gone through that was a positive experience. And you can look at that same situation like a year later or a couple months later or even a day later and view that same positive situation as a negative thing. And then you go through doing that same thing, that process over and over again until you just kind of realize like it was both. 
right. positive and negative. And even the positive, there's still a little bit of crap. And even in the negative, there's still a little bit of good. You can always put things in that perspective. So when it comes down to things, like I always view things very balanced, very balanced because of that. I never get too up. I never get too down. I keep myself right there because that's the most accurate way of viewing things. Um, because I just, and this is more of a belief that I have. I don't, I don't believe that anything out here is just inherently 100% good or 100% bad or yeah, I don't, I don't view anything that way. Everything is just a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Even me, just like I told you, like I'm a good guy. I'm a nice guy, but I'm also know that there's this side of me too. I'm human. And I don't feel as if in our reality that that's something that you can just get away from. But the, when you start really just going with that and really kind of just looking at things that way, you start, you stop being so hard on yourself. And you stop looking at things as, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. Like, dude, no, man, it's the same thing. Like, come on, let me just break this down and figure this out. And I might fail. And then I might learn how to figure out how to go through this after I fail at it a couple of times. Like, just keep a positive mindset or keep myself balanced throughout it. This is, is not complicated. Right. Um, none of this is. I just think when you start getting in these modes of everything's bad or, everything's good that's when you're screwing yourself over because you're not looking at the other side of things mm -hmm. and that other side will turn and bite you which it has a million times that's why i look at things the way that i do now <laughs> it's been my ass <laughs> that's what I, I mean obviously our, our 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 minds and and how the decisions we make obviously are dictated by some of the experiences that we have um and, and, and honestly reggie, reggie this this uh this whole experience of of just me hearing your story you know us getting this relationship has, has honestly been absolute pleasure um and and i'm i'm starting my day in in a in a positive mindset i'm, I'm a relaxed mindset and and you know you you've you've really taught me a lot through through this conversation and i hope uh you know the listeners have have been able to learn a lot as well and i'm really excited to see you know what what happens and, and, and what you have planned for 2021, I really am. And, and I was curious, sort of, for my listeners, uh, where can they find more, more about your story or, or what you're working on or what's coming? Okay, so um, in the next three months, um, I'm going to be launching a platform. It's like we, we still have some kinks to get out, but I'm going to be launching a platform. If people want to get in contact with me, the absolute easiest way is to hit me up on LinkedIn. That's my favorite social media platform because it is the least toxic of all sites. Because, you know, when your employers are on there, people love to <laughs> keep it together. Um, so I love, I love it. You know, I'm a, um, you can hit me up on Instagram or walk five, six. I might answer back. I might not. I am only really on Instagram for the memes and the funny stuff and the food <laughs> pics. Sorry. Um, but hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, also to, um, if they want to check my TEDx, you can go on te uh, the TED site or you can just type my name in YouTube and it'll pop up. Um, yeah, give that a listen. But, um, a big thing is, 
Um, and I, I'm going to make sure that I, I, I uh, come back to you on this one. But, yeah, a lot of – just hit me up on LinkedIn for now until I can launch everything. It'll be up soon. All right, perfect. And, yeah, definitely let me know when you launch everything because I would love to do anything I can to help you promote that. Absolutely. I oh, appreciate that. Absolutely, Reggie. Yeah, and same to you. Yeah, Thank and same you to you for sure. I really appreciate all the time that you've taken uh, to, to, to tell your story, and I really appreciate it, man. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me on. And this was, this is a great experience. 100%. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.